Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way. The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift. And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. So my salespeople um, are constantly asking for a discount. They're constantly complaining about uh, their customers' inability to make a decision, constantly complaining about being put off. Uh, they're constantly complaining about how um, nobody's buying right now. Deals aren't moving. Deals aren't happening. Um, they're constantly pushing back on me as a leader when I refuse to discount, they consistently complain that we'd earn more if we were more flexible on price. Uh, they consistently complain that uh, nobody knows who we are. They don't know our brand. They don't know what our, these products are that we're offering, uh, which puts them in a competitive disadvantage. Uh, their presentation materials suck. Their marketing materials suck. Their lead flow sucks. Um, just about any complaint, Chris, that you get from a Dang. sales organization, and I probably just hit 10%, right, for any leader who's listening, you know, it, they can be solved with um, one approach to selling that I, I don't like to use the name of the approach because it's as old as dirt. And, you know, when something's overused, uh, it can lose its power, and it's meaning because we can just stay, we can just evaluate it or understand it at a superficial level, right? But it's this concept of value selling. What is value selling? It's different than solution selling. It's not going out to the world with a solution and looking for people that have a fit, right? Where we say, hey, how are you? Oh, I wish I was better. Oh, what's what's going on? What's wrong? Oh, you know, my dog isn't eating. Oh, have I got a solution for you? Boom. You know, it's this need solution, need solutions paradigm that folks live in. Value selling is customer centric. It's let's understand the customer's definition of value. And then mm -hmm. think about what's missing and then think about what recommendation we might make. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, the unlearning that has to happen when you've answered that problem with more energy, more enthusiasm, more effort. Um, and, and so that's why when you and I started connecting and I, and I started to grasp even a little bit, the model, all powerful transformation that leads to a mastery that's going to bring all the goodness in your life is an unlearning and right. then a relearning. Because if everybody would do what you're laying out, what we're talking about in this podcast, 
the problem solves itself. Um, but it takes patience. It takes time. And we get excited and we want to solve things or we feel pressure and got to deliver the goods. And oh my gosh, Jimmy, we're just talking about this. I mean, I can think of times early 2015, 2016, I'm going to a conference and I know when I hit that stage, I got to close three or four people got to come up to me, at least one, you know, but you can't have that feel or vibe. And I'm, I was great at doing that as a speaker from the stage or hopefully still can be, and I can always get better. Right. But, but maybe, maybe I would call it great because juxtaposed to how I would do it one-to-one was terrible. I would just bring that enthusiasm and bring that energy. I didn't know how to create the space that this model right. creates. And that's, I love that. It's, you're creating space for the buyer. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm there all the time. You know, I, I see a challenge. I have the solution. It does you no good to blurt out the answer because the person who has to be buying in isn't where you are yet. They don't have your 30 years of experience. You know, all the stuff that puts you in a place where you know now what the answer is. They're still dealing with, you know, what they want. They're still dealing with what they're missing, you know, the, the, the desires that they have. We have to move them along the, their buying cycle um, by just having a little bit of patience. And as we're talking, you know, we're talking about the wins model, which is the marriage between a successful buying cycle and are you the universal buying cycle and the um you know this fastest past the path to cash this this sales process so their buying cycle our sales process married and aligned and all you need yeah all you need is a little bit of patience it's this is uh i know part two where we started last week um but right where we are, had an experience yesterday with this. Um, Curious to hear uh, a little bit of your thoughts on it and and I'll share mine and hear how you would have handled it. But, um, you know, I've had these moments where I showed up to a referral meeting where you feel like pretty solid on how it's going to go and you get this left hook where they don't want what you have. They want to be you, right? And that's been pretty wild to have that a few times. Um, so, you know, I remember heading out to a meeting with a guy who had trained literally like 40,000 people all over the world. He had read one of the books and as he had read the books, he felt like I had some good stuff on emotional intelligence. I'm like, sweet. He's going to have me come in and do stuff. And then we're sitting down and he's like, help me go out and do what you're doing. And I'm like, ah, dang it. But then I was helpful and, and whatever. Yesterday was weird because it was this meeting where, um, you know, we got through a few pleasantries at the beginning. It's a referral, you know, that, that I had helped somebody else and they respected that person a ton. And so I just asked, well, tell me, you know, Jimmy style, why am I here? What's going on? Nothing. Everything's fine. It's great. And all of this convincing energy of how everything was great, which mm-hmm. is a big red flag, right? It's like the people that post the most on social media about how much they love their wives. Um, usually something to prove. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, tell me what are the current pain points? There are none. 
There are none. I don't have any. All right. What, what's, what's coming out of your mouth next on that? Curious. Well, what's, what is, um, what's easy for us as listeners to your story to come, you know, to surmise is that they are proving they're hiding and, um, um, they're just not willing to be vulnerable at this moment. So it's that, it's that mm-hmm. lack of vulnerability or transparency, depending upon where we are in the, in the meeting. And we talk, uh, for those, of, for those who are interested, we'll be talking about this in the future, but th- listen for, or look for an episode on the tension cycle. And we'll talk more about that, but it's either about transparency mm-hmm. or vulnerability. Uh, so either we haven't built enough trust and rapport to get them to open up or they need some pushback, right? So it's mm. so if I may, I just paraphrase and you correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like every goal that you have is you have a plan for, you're on track, everything's happening as it should be. And if it's not, you know exactly what to do about it. So there are no questions, there are no barriers, there are no challenge or, challenges or issues, and there's nothing for you to learn moving forward. You got it. Yeah, which was in my wording is uh, you're not anywhere where you're stressed at the edge of your abilities. Your vision is fully aligned and caught up with your resources. Because if we're if we're growing and we're healthy, our vision always outpaces our resources. There's there's some kind of gap between where we are and where we know we could be in any domain, personal, professional, whatever. So uh, that's what I dug into. And um, oh no, yeah, everything. And so, so the rapport either it, I assumed it was there, but I did some checking at the beginning and, and all the lights were green that, that trust was developed because it was very strong referral in. So then I'm confused and I've never had this happen ever, Jimmy. As soon as we got into a place that it would have been a moment to reveal it completely flipped to a direct pitch to me to use their company, you know, that my company would employ them and use their company. So really, it was totally weird why they showed up to the meeting. Uh, The real motive was there. And I was like, oh, Chris pre-wins model. I'm I'm confessing this to all listeners. I'm gonna try to put my head through that wall. Chris post-wins model. I can't take her where she right. doesn't want to go. Right. And now I I don't have to grieve this. I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, I always want to learn from every exchange. But it was such a weird thing to have that happen in between the recording of these episodes of part one and part two that I was like, what the heck? Right. So, and so So. for the listeners, there was no active buying cycle. So why are, so when I, when I made that ridiculous statement, you're good, everything's well, everything's perfect. You're on track. There's no questions. There's nothing to be curious about. You know, I, I would make it. A ridiculous statement. If if they still said yes, then I was then I would follow up with. So, so why am I here? So whether they said yes or no, the question goes back to. So why are, why are we here? 
And then that's when they say, well, I'm here to sell you something. And so, ah, I get it. So I love to ask the same question over and over and over again, especially if it's not answered the first few times. Uh, It makes my life easier as a salesperson. It makes me seem wiser when I use fewer words to express what I'm trying to get to, especially if I'm using the same word over and over again, because what it what it signals for the person I'm talking to is, yeah, you avoided the, it the first time, and yeah, I'm not letting you off the hook. Man. And, and that's a statement that you made to me a while back that I have it written down on a card sitting on my desk right here. Uh, I know nobody can see it, but you can hear the paper. Uh, that, yeah, if you don't, if you go to the next part of the process too fast, it creates a shadow of compromise. And this shadow of compromise is going to create a problem later. So Exposure. I love that. I love that. I would want to put a big neon sign around that. Just stay with the questions. And, and I did for a bit and the moment was there. And then I saw the, uh, the poor approach that was being used towards me that was bringing enthusiasm and energy, no questions, no questions. And, uh, yeah, there we go. So maybe I need to email this person and be like, you need to talk to him. (laughs) Talking about no questions. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. So we talk about, you know, if there's no curiosity and they're a buyer, if there's no curiosity, then there's complacency. And, and we have to challenge that complacency to move them to the curiosity curve. In your case, they weren't a buyer. They were they were under false pretenses. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and I think for the the complacency or curiosity, how would you word it when there's somebody is so covered up in pain and struggling that they just can't acknowledge it at all and they're they're pretending hardcore? Is that complacency? They're just yeah. It, it, there are yeah. There's there's there. We like to think of, um, and I can send anybody the model if they want to, if they'd like to see it. The seven C's of change, uh, but we say that there are two uh, paths to change, but only one path to growth. The path to growth is the curiosity curve, where we can make decisions with clarity. Uh, the path to change that does not result in growth is the path of complacency, because then you end up making decisions in crisis. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. why I'm complacent. If I remain complacent, then the only way that I'm going to get off that curve is through a crisis. And if I survive, mm-hmm. um, I get really curious. Now, what we find, especially as coaches, what we find is that when our clients live on the curio- on the complacency curve, it could be it could be a, a a rare and unique place for them to be because they're just confused or they're struggling for some reason they're just not their mind isn't open and they can be fairly easily coached into that level of curiosity there is a whole other part of the population that has been raised to only live on that complacency curve and only change when crisis comes and um, oftentimes that kind of behavior signals someone who ha- who lives with uh, a victim mentality. What do I mean? And I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. a psychologist, I'm not pretending to be a doctor, but what I can tell you is my experience is you know, if um if I wait for the crisis, then 
I can blame the crisis. Why did your business fail? We ran out of money. Oh, really? There's not a business on the planet that failed because they ran out of money. It was about mismanagement. Hmm. Why did your business fail? Oh, bad timing. Oh, the economy. You know, I mean, there's all these external excuses. Well, we didn't anticipate the economy. We were overextended. We were over leveraged. Why did your real estate investment business go out of business? Well, because of the, the crash. Or was it because you were over leveraged by 500%? You know, so... So we, if we fail to accept responsibility, then we, then we, then we, um, well, if we don't want to accept responsibility, we use the crisis to deflect that responsibility. And now we're a victim player and we're just supporting the victim mentality. So if I'm a salesperson and I believe that people buy when they're ready, willing, and able to change, if I, if I'm talking to somebody who's on that complacency curve, I now know I'm either going to move them to curiosity or their only time they're going to buy from me is when they're in crisis. So I can just wait. Or if I only sell to people who are going through the crisis, I just use the crisis as a trigger for a buying cycle and go. But if you're like most organizations and those folks who buy in crisis, if those folks end up being cheap, you know, uh, low margin, pain in the neck customers, then why, why wait for them? Why not go find folks that are on that curiosity yeah. curve? Well, I love that. I love that. And because I have, when people buy in crisis, it, it, it takes a couple of years, two to three years to get them out in front so that they are not reactive, but they're choosing the perfect reaction, uh, not blindly reacting. Um, they're iterating, they're getting ahead, they're reinventing and all these key things. And, and yeah, when they're coming out of curiosity and growth, the explosion of impact that happens so fast, so immediate, so clear. And that's awesome. Well, how do we, how do we make sure we don't get that shadow happening in between part one and part two of this model? Because as I tried to go into wants and impacts yesterday, uh, you know, that door closed. So I'm able to say, I love saying this phrase and I, and I've said it before, I'll be here when you're ready. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) It's a fun way to close. So I like that. And um, a a simpler way to say it for me is my favorite four-letter word as a sales guy. Okay. My mind just went a lot of places. You're going to have to not pause too long there. (laughs) it's It's just the word next. If they're not qualified, I just think to myself, okay, great. Next. That's it. So Mm. it's just a way that I've trained Mm. myself to, you know, we all want to do our best. We have this goal in front of us that for some reason we think everybody should buy from us. When they don't buy, it's a failure on our part, whatever it might be. Even though intellectually we know that that's not true, we still can be emotionally caught up. I just love that favorite four-letter word, next. I mean, let's go. Now, I love your, your... your close there because too many salespeople feel like they have to say no to someone and just say no and, and have the no mean no, never. No, it's not no, never. When you're ready, I'll be here. Now, and I also like mm-hmm. to give them something specific. Well, when you're in this situation or you're ready for this kind of impact, call me. 
right? When people look at my site, they know we work with companies that want to double or triple their revenue in one to five years. When your growth goals get really aggressive and the risk of change might feel too burdensome, give me a call. I'll make it easy for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So there's an internal piece of that, that we're the athletes on the court. We miss a shot, shot didn't go in, whatever. Next, we just keep shooting, keep practicing. But the external part of that, because we're secure in who we are, we say to them, I'll be here when you're ready. When this situation happens in your life, which the fun part of that is we've had people come, and I know, you know we've talked about this in different ways, but we've had people come to us two and three years later. Right. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And Awesome. Yeah. And those people tend to be some of the best yeah. referrers. Yeah, because you had an impact on them and you didn't need to know you had the impact. You just know that by your behavior and how you run your sales process and the relationships that you're building, that you're going to have that impact. And you're going to have that impact for the right customer. Uh, and that's something we always want to think about. We're not trying to sell everyone. We're trying to be, become that attractive um, provider or partner for the people we want to attract, period. So so if we've got that and we've moved through yep, the first two stages it. and we've got a business case now that's too important to ignore, uh, yeah. take us into stage yeah, three. So, yeah, to your point, wants, the last time we talked about wants and impacts and W plus I equals V, right? It it's equals the, the customer's definition of value. Well, now that, we've under, now that we understand that, now it's time for needs and solutions, which is what we're going to talk about today. You know, once you've had a conversation with somebody, Chris, I, I would love to hear your experience here. But once you have the experience of talking to somebody about their vision and then expanding that vision and then the business case uh, and helping them really truly quantify that business case, then the next most powerful question you can ask them is, so what's missing? what's holding you back or a real powerful one that you have to have a be in a certain position to ask how come you're not there yet because that kind of a question can make someone feel defensive but those three questions are just different ways of asking what are the needs that are blocking you or preventing you from achieving what you want and delivering the impact that as you've said is too great to ignore oh man I mean, that's a, a guy that I had coached a number of years ago who just has, you know, a, a couple thousand employees and ton of impact success. As he was going through the coaching, being transformed by it, he could obviously see things in my business that needed to be improved and offered to help with some of those things, just being very gracious and, and did it really smooth, right? So, but anyway, took him up on that. We meet and. So I'm walking through some goals and financials with him and he was like, why aren't you here yet? You know, and it's so direct and painful, painful, but that's the good medicine we need. And so I, I, you know, I want to, for listeners, because, because I know you're, you've developed yourself so much in this creating space for them. That takes a ton of courage on your part, on the part of the person that is that is selling. Because we want to comfort all of their pain. It's almost like when if one of my daughters is crying and I just want them to stop crying because it makes me feel uncomfortable rather than get into it and figure out what's really going on. 
what have you done to develop the emotional fortitude, the mental fortitude to stay in that place that creates yeah, space? Yeah, it's really, I mean, it, with your kids, it's super hard for me because I have a vested interest. It's not hard when I'm coaching, not because I don't care about my client, but I'm trained as a coach to detach from having any kind of vested interest, personal vested interest in the outcome, because that makes me a better coach. It means I'm not going to try to turn this person into another version of me. Boom. I love that phrase. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just got excited. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we have this, one of the sayings in our values, uh, we're, we're helping you see the world as you're right meant on. to see it, not how we So see there's it. a great, say that one more time, Chris. Yeah, we're here to help people see the world as they were meant to see it, not as we see it. So that's a great, uh, that's a great uh, tagline for the WINS model. I mean, that is a customer-centric approach to selling. That is a servant leader-led sales model. You are here to help your client achieve the world as they view it, provided you're someone who can get them there. If you are, then you have a shared yeah. goal. And so when you help the client, you help yourself. And you create that win-win, yeah. that as they say. Uh, you, you become that growth multiplier. Uh, but you have to have that emotional detachment. So when we when we evaluate salespeople and evaluate sales teams and we help salespeople kind of become better at what they do or or take those next level steps to to perform at higher levels, one of the things we look at is their emotional not just emotional intelligence, but how emotionally ready are they and prepared are they for a very tough sales conversation, right? Oftentimes when mm -hmm. folks are too involved in themselves, how they look, how they, how they smell, how they're behaving, am I performing, you know, they can be offset by or off put by a client who's fairly aggressive or not really considering their feelings and just being a little angry, maybe, maybe very emotional and their emotional state can make the, can make the salesperson emotional. All of a sudden what happens when that salesperson gets emotional is they lose their minds. In other words, they stop thinking clearly and start responding and reacting and they break out of whatever process they've trained themselves to follow. And so that that uh, that lack of, of emotional maturity can really hamper their effectiveness. So the best thing we can do as salespeople is detach from the things that create that emotional connection for us, detach from the outcome, detach from any kind of judgment that we might want to avoid or um, judgment that we might want to achieve, like, ooh, you're special. I want to hang out with you. Leave all that, leave all those outcomes um, outside the door and just focus on being present and being focused on the process that you were trained to execute. Dang it. I was going to say, yeah, we detach from the outcome, but that would just leave an empty vacuum. What do we connect to? And you said it, the process. I love that. So what, as we connect to the process here, what are the gates yeah. for the needs? So at the needs stage, what, we're, what our goal is, is to understand the must-have requirements. So when we, when we help an organization think about their differentiation and what their brand means um, 
to their customers so they can communicate that brand to non-customers you know part of part of the, their differentiation is really wrapped up in how well and how uniquely they help customers address those must-have requirements so when salespeople aren't prepared to differentiate between or separate the nice to haves from the must haves, they can get caught up in confusion and it can muddy the waters and they can lose themselves and they, bec- they can become victims of that, that mu- those, those muddy waters. And so when a client says, well, really what's different with you? You mean, you know, on all of these things that we've been talking about, all the needs that I have in front of me, you just sound like an, another organization. You know, and they've lost that differentiation. So as a salesperson, you want to identify those must-haves. Now, you should know all in advance what they're likely to be. So I used to sell software, right? Back in the 90s and early 2000s, right? I followed that whole trajectory of, you know, on-premise software to on-demand to SaaS, that whole trajectory. And I'm used to having IT people look at a user interface and criticize placement, usability. And, um, you know, so, and so, and oftentimes it would get us flustered and stuck on, oh my God, it's not perfect. What do I do? Well, the way you, what you do is you push back. Given the goals that you have as an organization and given the impact that we've identified already, can you tell me, please, what does the size of this field, the fact that it's 120 characters versus uh, unlimited field, how is that going to affect our ability to deliver the impact that you seek and the overall strategic goals for your organization. Confusing right. the form and, and the And then function. the IT person is like, you're right. What they're thinking is, damn, I was trying to make myself sound smart and valuable and make my boss feel like they invited me here for a reason. And I just put my foot in my mouth. And, and then they might say, well, you know, now that you put it that way, you're right. It probably doesn't have a huge impact. It is, however, something we're concerned about. And I would say, thank you for bringing it up. You know, we'll, we'll make a note of that. Um, is there anything else? They'll say no. And we say, then we just move on. So you handle it right there. And what you're doing is you're putting everybody on that demo on notice. Look, we're only looking for must-haves. What other mm-hmm. must-haves are there? And I've already by virtue of that example, explain that a must-have is something that's going to have direct implication on the on the overall goals we've identified in this organization and the impact calculation of the business case we've identified as being critical to supporting this investment or not. So, I'm, so that's just one way of, Which, of kind of establishing, taking that leadership position and establishing the rules of play when you're dealing with maybe a buying center of 10 or 15 people all that are going to have differentiating objectives and reasons for being on the call and all that may have different um, levels of desire for you to win or be successful or not. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to say something and then you correct this and tell me if this is off, but I'm resonating as I think through the narrow road is to get it to the must haves, the broad road that leads to the, the failed sale or some kind of shadow of compromise is when you're in the need stage and rather than going with must have, you go with, and we'll add this, and we'll add this, right. and we'll add this. You get excited and you're just trying to convince yep. them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I see that happening in services space like crazy. 
And, 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 and because that has been the energy that's happened in services for a number of years in selling, you know, clients prefer, I hear it in their voices when we talk with them, their companies, less, they want less, not more. They want to know that you're such the expert on this transformational journey that you figured out the minimum effective dose that delivers the transformation they seek and they can get more right. if they want. Right. right. The must-haves. The must-haves. Yeah. I don't want to go spend four hours at the gym. I want to do 20 <laughs> minutes. Woo. Right. And so So these are the Yes, the yes, gates. yes. So so that's the, actually the, only the first gate of the needs um, stage. Once we identify those must-haves, now we know which of our capabilities matter. Mm. So I, I walk into, as you, you spoke of services organizations, I walk into a lot of services organizations and the way that they sell is they start with a capabilities presentation. And they, you know, here's us, here's our history, here's how we evolved, here's what we do, here are our capabilities. And by the end of their 45 minutes to an hour, for the folks who are still awake, because this is probably the third or fourth or fifth capabilities presentation they've been through on their path to finding a provider, you know, they're just bored out of their friggin' minds because there's nothing relevant about what I just did for that 45 Ugh. minutes to two hours, even though I'm really excited Can you imagine? about it. Yeah, going to a Zoom presentation now and just having to watch them oh, click through slides. Right. So, so do me a favor, you know, make it relevant to me. Well, okay, let's, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. Well, how about you ask me some questions first? Why don't you try to figure out like, what are my wants mm -hmm. and the impacts that I seek? And then ask me what's missing. And then let's get to the, let's get to the must haves. And then you can put your capabilities in context that matter to me. And oh, by the way, by doing this, your presentation will be entirely different than anybody else that came before you. It'll be entirely different than anybody that comes after you. And we'll all be remembering the one company that made us feel different than every other boring show up and throw up, spill the candy in the lobby type approach, right? <laughs> Use any analogy you want. It all means the same thing. And if you don't want to be bundled into another complaint that sales leaders hear all the time is I can't differentiate myself. Well, guess what? It's not the fault of your product or service. It's you as a salesperson failing to differentiate. And by virtue of failing to differentiate yourself, you're commoditizing yourself. You're actually forcing the customer to go meet with other folks because there's nothing special about the message that you gave and the way you made them feel. Hmm. I love it. I love it. One of, uh, one of the endorsements we got years ago I had just made an offhand comment and then they actually put that in the endorsement they had given us. And it was an exact phrase speaking to that differentiation. I just happened to be a drunk monkey spinning around in a bar, blindfolded, threw a dart and hit the target. What the wins model does is takes the blindfold off, sobers you up, puts the dart in your hand and you right, get to throw right. it right at that bullseye. Right. And so- can we change the name of this podcast to Drunk Monkey Sober Up? I like that. I think that for that one, we'll have video and we'll have to like have our shirts off, tats out, and just like, you know, be crazy. We'll be on the beach. I, I've got a good, got we'll a good do visual. It, yeah, we'll do it on the be Venice Beach, man, West Coast. It'll be fun. Um, 
So, yeah. so take us through the rest of stage three. Do we have time Let's to hit yeah, stage four? I think four, we can wrap up. We... I, think, uh, I think a lot of this is going to be intuitive. We'll, we'll take another couple minutes here and, and wrap it up just so the folks have what they need. Um, so wants, impacts, needs, and solutions. We're at stage three here, needs. And, and we're talking about the gates. So what information do we have to collect to advance ourselves to the sales process? So requirements, what are the must-have requirements? That can lead us to the capabilities that matter, that differentiate us. And we can we can not just not pitch the capabilities, but ask, would this capability serve that must-have? Yes. Okay, great. Do I have to let them know that I have it or not? No, I'm just asking, would this capability serve that need? Yes. Great. I'll check that off. Now, at the end of that uh, conversation, then I then I'm now I'm to the recommendation stage. And what, what I have to do here is now look back at the other eight, I'm sorry, recommendation gate. I have to look back at the other eight gates that I've been through. And I'm now able to uh, use active listening to summarize the problem mm-hmm. that we've uncovered, right? So if I understand you mm-hmm. correctly, this is where you want to be once. This is the impact of success, failure, doing nothing. And and if I've done my job and I've identified the economic impact, I can say to them, um, it sounds like you have, I, I, can, I can identify that impact. And then after I go through mm. the needs, I can, I can now articulate the win, which equals problem and say, it sounds like you have a $20 million problem or a $1 million problem, or however I want to characterize that problem from the impact conversation. And they say, Yes or no. Now, if they don't give me a definitive yes, I just ask them, look, is there anything about my my description that you would change? Or maybe in advance of that, I would say, look, are you willing to tell me yes or no right now if I summarize this, the challenge that we've identified in front of you and give you my recommendation? And they say, of course, I'll do that. Great. Now I can get them to a definitive answer, summarize the problem and say, and then ask them, would you like my help? The answer is, of course. My strong recommendation is, and then I give them the recommendation. Now, this is where we get to a verbal recommendation. And the, it's not a proposal, it's a verbal. Why? Well, if they have any objections or I ask the question, is there, do you see any reason why you wouldn't adapt and adopt this right now? And they say, well, I do have some pushback for you. I hear it when I'm live. Not, I don't allow them to kind of come up with it when I'm not around and then ignore my phone calls for three months. We address it now. We get it to the point where mm. they tell me exactly under what circumstances they will adapt and adopt the recommendation that I've just made. Wonderful. Is it worthwhile for me to put together a proposal for you? Yes. Great. Who should be in that meeting? Mm-hmm. When when should we have the when can we schedule the conversation with those people to hear the proposal? Right? And so what I'm doing is setting up now the fourth stage, the solution stage, which is, which is now the stage where I bring the, the first gate of the solution stage is I bring my recommendation back to my own internal team. Hey, can we deliver this profitably? Yes. Checkbox. Let's write the proposal. Mm-hmm. Great. Checkbox. We, we present the proposal to the decision maker and the rest of the folks are going to influence it. Yes. Check. Then we ask them for their commitment and not just commitment, as to will you sign, but will you by when? We get the commitment, we schedule the kickoff pending their 
their signature. We know if there's going to be a vacation or a holiday blocking them for some reason, and we are ready to roll. So you're not refreshing the QuickBooks link <laughs> and seeing on the right. proposal. Oh, man, I just hit somebody's pain point right there. <laughs> yeah, and you're not creating artificial, you know, like, you're not creating artificial barriers like, uh, this proposal is good for 30 days. You know, nobody believes that your proposal is only good for 30 days. Instead of creating an artificial barrier, why don't you just get them to address whether or not they can sign this within 30 days? If they say, I'm not sure, you say, well, tell me why. And they tell you, well, we're going to be on vacation. Or they tell you, well, it turns out for this for this level of investment, we have to go to a steering committee or to the board and they meet once a month. And say, okay, great. Um, now you have a whole other buying center to evaluate. You don't just say, great, let's change the date. You say, great, now tell me about that committee, right? Can I, I got to add an exclamation mark real quick. That's what makes this so relationally pure and beautiful and whole and just it's and for people that can't see me right now uh you know i've got i've got the matrix printed out in front of me i'm taking notes because we're talking about how to build this for our certified coaches um and i'm so proud that we're going to put this in their hands and train them in this because it is it is something that they can look back on and Man, you just, you, you, it trains people how to communicate the process without being needy right. or manipulative. And I think what we're going to do together, Chris, is, um, and I'll, what we're going to do together is, we're, well, we've just gone over all the things that you want to collect, right? So one of the beautiful things about this model, folks who've heard earlier episodes heard me say, I wanted to build a sales model that I would be proud to use and proud for my customers to, to understand. Mm. Meaning it's, there's nothing manipulative about this. Everything I want to, everything about it is something I want to share. And, uh, would, I would be proud to share, not just, you know, not kind of like the way most salespeople are, are trained, which is how manipulative can I be and still get away with it? So, in that spirit, mm -hmm. what we'll what we will do, Chris, is we'll end up creating a we'll create a uh, a tool that can collect the answers to these questions. So the best way to sell using the wins model is to collect the answers and share those answers with your customer, so that the customer knows where they are in their buying cycle, so they know what's missing and what's captured. You know what's missing and captured in your sales cycle. Both you and the buyer are aligned, and especially in a complex sales environment, by keeping that buyer and yourself aligned, they now become your partner inside the organization as they deal with the larger buying center. So they can help you bring people to the table that are required to answer certain questions. You build trust. And I've had clients tell me, you know, James, thank you. Um, and I would say to them, look, what did I do that was so special? And they said, you know, James, you made it easy for me to buy from you. Because we had this perfect level of communication all the way through. That's the mic drop, man. You made it easy. You do the hard work to go slow. Develop these processes and get these questions answered. No shadow of compromise. No steps wasted. We do yeah, the hard no work steps for wasted. Them. Yeah, no and steps they, wasted. They appreciate it. And by the way, gang, for everyone listening, if you do this, you will differentiate yourself from every other salesperson you compete against. And, you're, and you won't have to tell them. Yeah, you won't have to tell them how unique you are. You can show them.
you dropped the mic twice. You dropped it. You came back in and picked it up and said, by the way, this is how you differentiate. <laughs> Boom. You better walk well, out, I, man. You know, Chris, you know, you're my friend and I love you, man. And I, and it, but I, I know you're sincere because, you know, we both coach and sell every day. And the fact that we can create this alignment is an exciting thing. And uh, it doesn't get old for me either. Well, let me comment on the sincerity of that because people don't, the people that hear me, that don't know me, that know you, we have an online academy. We have seven courses. It's me teaching all of them. For the first time ever, we have a course in the academy. And it's not just me teaching. It's me and you together on this process. So yeah, all yeah. in, baby. Thanks for your questions, man. It was great. Good times, good times. Thanks for listening. If you've learned something or were inspired to try something new, please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to learn more, visit and connect with me, James, at floristgroup.com, F-L-O-R-I-S-S group.com. And if you want to connect with me, Chris, check out SightShift, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace. Peace.